Today, I want to read a passage from Proverbs 4, 20 to 27. It says this, My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for, you, uh, for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. left. Keep your foot from evil. I must say that uh, preparing today's sermon was, uh, it took me way longer than it normally does. On a normal week, I finish the sermon by Thursday, and then I have sort of the weekend to let the Holy Spirit minister to me uh, before I come up here to minister to you. But it was different this week, not because of a lack of content, but because I initially, and I think I was on a phone call with Tim on Wednesday, I was like, I said to him, I don't know what to preach, because I want to acknowledge the last five years that I I've been here as the pastor of the church. So on the 17th of, so on Saturday, it was exactly five years. Can you imagine? Some of you are like, yes, we see how you changed <laughs> physically. Uh, and I, but I want to also say thank you to all of you who sent me messages of encouragement. But my initial thought was to pick one verse for each year and then come and preach. But then I'm like, no, I love you too much to give you a five-hour sermon. So <laughs> I had to do something even harder, which was to try to think through one verse that has been important, that has been vital, foundational to my uh, life as a pastor over the past uh, five years. And I, I sort of, you know, sometimes you catch yourself giving advice to people. And I think that one that I give often is guard your heart. Whenever something happens to someone and I see that they're sort of uh, bothered by it or affected in a negative way, my first thing is to say, is not to say what happened. I say, guard your heart. Because this is the most important thing. And this is, I would say, is the most important thing that I had to learn. And this is the title of my message today. As well, if I may say, from my very small experience, I'm a word. Pastor Paul is here, was like eight times more experienced than me in ministry. But what I've learned so far, and I think it's important for all of us, as it's, it is to me and it will be, is to guard your heart. Guard what goes into your heart and guard what comes out of your heart. I think if we get this right, we'll truly become mature believers, no matter the kind of spiritual stage we find ourselves in. I read this article which gives an analysis of some of the dieting trends affecting our culture. The Japanese eat little fat and suffer fewer heart problems than the Brits and the Americans. The French eat a lot of fat and suffer fewer heart attacks than Britain or US. And the Italians drink a lot of wine and have lower risk of heart problems than the Brits. So what can we conclude from these facts? You can eat whatever you want, but speaking English will kill you. <laughs> you see, sandwiched right in between uh, our passes today, rest was, seems to be the number one advice that the wisest man ever, apart from Jesus, can give to his son. Above all else, guard your heart. 
for everything you do flows from it. If anything needs guarding, it's either because it's fragile, weak, and feeble, or because it is precious. That's why we tend, normally tend to guard things. Your heart and my heart are both puny and precious at the same time. Our heart is puny because Jeremiah 17:9 tells us, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? That is why as believers, we do not follow our heart, we follow our God. Right? We follow God, not our heart. But this sickness of the heart is itself one of the main reasons why we should guard the heart. Because it's deceitful and desperately sick. It needs guarding. An unguarded heart is vulnerable to the outer attacks that tend to shatter it to pieces. If you do not guard your heart, it will break. And I'm sure that all of us at different times in our lives for various reasons have experienced heartache and brokenness of heart. Over the past five years, I've had to learn to guard, to guard my heart because my heart is fragile. And I like that. What I like about myself is that I don't try to come across as the bulletproof pastor because I'm not. If God could just take my heart, and by heart I don't mean the heart of flesh, but the core of my being, and put it in front of all of us, it's a very weak thing. <laughs> it's a very vulnerable thing. It's a very fragile thing. It's fragile to destructive criticism, and I intentionally say destructive, not constructive. It's fragile to gossip and judgmental words. It's fragile to the lies that are meant to destroy it. It's fragile to betrayal. It's fragile, so fragile that unless I would learn to guard my heart, my two natural responses to any form of attack are fight or flight. And at different times, even throughout the last five years, and I'm not proud of it, I've done one or the other. And no matter what you do, people get hurt. But none of these options are God's desired response for my heart and from my heart. Even though I have experienced all the above-mentioned situations, I don't stand here today as a victim, nor do I stand here as a hero. I am not the hero of my story, nor am I a victim of the past five years or the past 34 tomorrow. What I want to stand here, hopefully, as a little example, is someone that has learned to be a guardian of his heart. Because ministry forced me to learn to do this. I either had to fight or flight, but then there's a third option, which is guard your heart and keep going. And sometimes you go through stuff that are really hard to deal with. And I know the temptation of flight. Let me get another job. Those guys promised me something better. They gave me a house. They gave me a salary and all that. And that time is just let me fight to control things so I can create my own reality. No, guard your heart and trust in the Lord. I want to stand here before as a humble guardian of my own heart. So yes, my heart needs guarding because it's puny. But at the same time, my heart is guarding because it's also precious. Your heart and my heart are also precious. Romans 5, 5 tells us, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. 
Your heart and my heart are precious because God has poured his perfect love inside of them. Even as you're sitting there and listening, your heart is a vessel of God's love that has been poured out in it. Your heart needs guarding because of this amazing divine deposit of God's love that has been poured out in it through the Holy Spirit at the moment of your salvation. That's when God poured out his love. And we could rightly say that God has poured himself out through the Holy Spirit into our hearts because God is love. So see, your heart is truly precious. Your heart is too precious to live unguarded. And at the same time, your heart is too puny to live unguarded as well. And both of these adjectives rightly describe the state of our heart. Our hearts aren't perfect, but there is goodness in them still because of Jesus' work within us that needs to be protected and needs to be guarded. But more important than both of these is a third, and I think the greatest reason as to why we must guard our hearts. Verse 23, we read it already. Above all, let guard your heart. Why? For everything you do. Not some things. For everything you do flows from it. New King James Version says that out of it spring the issues of life. And ESV says, for out of it flow the springs of life. And the picture is that your heart is like a, a stream of water that's continually flowing out to touch and impact people around you. Everything you do flows from your heart. Your speech, your conduct, your decision-making, your living, your working, your parenting, your relationships, everything is affected by this stream that comes out of your heart. Throughout the Bible, God puts high importance on the condition of people's hearts, which is why today, there's one thing I've learned over the, the past five years is guard your heart. Get that right. And while our hearts will be one day fully, fully pure, when Jesus returns, there's this time in between Jesus' resurrection and ascension and Jesus' second coming when we are called to guard our hearts. Because it's not yet pure, but it's still precious. Though at times it's a bit puny. That's what our heart is about. And I'm self-aware of my own heart every time I stand here before God and before you. If in my heart I have unforgiveness because it's been hurt by venomous words, then my words will be sprinkled with poison, even though I don't mean to do it so. Now, sure, we've all been in those situations. Sometimes I go from highs and lows, even within the space of three, four, five days, and then I need to come and stand here, and I need to make sure that my preaching is not tainted by anything negative that has happened to me in my heart, and that is the hardest thing to do. If at times I ever come across as unprepared, it's not because I didn't study, but because my heart is not in the right place. And over the past five years, I've had to learn to deal with this heart of mine quickly, because otherwise I will not minister from a good place. And I don't want the venom that I receive from situations around me to be sprinkled in my preaching of the word when I teach and preach to you. If in my heart I harbor resentment, I will taint God's pure word as it comes out of my mouth. If in my heart, if my heart is full of self, and full of pride, then my interpretation of the Bible may be perfect. Maybe. My doctrine may be sound, 
but self and pride will be what I communicate. Because I can have this in my mind, but if in my heart I have poison, resentment, unforgiveness, I would say the right words sprinkled with venom that comes from the wealth of my heart, from the well of my heart. And this is one thing I had to learn every single week. And Proverbs 4.23 helps us see that our heart is this wellspring and its outgoings are the living, hopefully life-giving waters that refresh people and hopefully refresh those around them. Someone said once, I don't care how much you know, I want to know how much you care. And this is why this is a matter of the heart. We need to guard the wellspring of our hearts because everything we do flows from it. Now, how do we guard our heart? And I'm going to get very practical as well as biblical. The first two verses we read say this. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear. Very important. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. So here's, here's, here's what's happening here. It says, turn your ear to my words and keep your eyes open, basically. Don't let my words out of your sight. You see, God, and this is something I've learned this week, imagine, in my preparation. By this week, I mean yesterday. <laughs> so God has given us and blessed us with four little guardians of the heart. The two eyes and the two ears you have. It's factory setting. Right? You've been created with four little guardians that guard your heart. Your eyes and your ears are the default guardians of your heart. The heart then is like a vault within which whatever comes through our eyes and ears is stored. I tried to draw it, but I'm bad, so just look at me, right? Our eyes and ears store whatever they let in. So no matter who you are, no matter what kind of knowledge, whether it's a lot or not, you already have four different guardians created and designed in you, in your body, to protect your heart. They are your eyes and your ears. When watching something online, we don't only watch it for entertainment, but rather it's about something that is being deposited into the vault of my heart. It's fun, we enjoy it, but there's a deposit happening within those 40 minutes of the series you watch or one hour and a half time. I'm not saying it's bad or good, I'm just saying that's what happens. Every single day of your life, people, circumstances, words, feelings, and emotions will queue up before the window of your heart, represented by your eyes and your ears, wanting to deposit and invest things. This image of going to the bank, people queue up because it's England, not Italy. People queue up respectfully. Each one, I was actually at the post office this week. Such a long queue, but I was like, oh. whenever you see someone going that way, it's like, okay, is she jumping the queue? That's the most important question that no one is asking, but everyone is thinking, right? So it takes a lot, and everyone, some people have boxes, some people have things to return, some people have things to send. And every single day, and I mean every day of your life, there are things, circumstances, people, information that queue up. And at the window of your heart, 
like four little, there's four windows. One eye, second eye, first year, second year. And they're the ones who are going to say, yes, you can make this deposit. Or they'll say, no. We're not going to deposit this into the vault today. You get the image, okay? This is important. So Netflix will deposit movies and series because that's what, that's what its niche is, right? YouTube will deposit videos. School will deposit information. Your friends will deposit character and behavior. Your spouse will deposit words and feelings. Your family members will deposit time and other things, and the internet can almost deposit an infinite amount of things. It's like unsearchable. So much there. And that happens to you and to me every single day. Now, I'm here standing before you, depositing something of God. That's why often you hear in my prayers, God give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Not because I want you to hear me, but because I want whatever is preached to be deposited in the vault of your heart because everything you will do starting the moment you leave the church will flow out of it. But there will be moments, too many of them, when things and people will not care about queuing to deposit things into your heart and to your life. They will not care whether you accept the deposit or not. Rather, in moments of weakness, some of the things that will be deposited into the vault of your heart will be sin, will be pain, will be heartache, will be betrayal, will be gossip, and will be abuse. Now, my eyes and ears don't want them, but they're too weak to deal with them. And they happen to drop into my heart just because sometimes we are weak. In those moments, your eyes and your ears will have failed you and your heart is left vulnerable and wide open to even more attacks. And I'm sure you've been there. Sometimes it comes across as, why is everything happening at once? Because circumstances around you and our enemy manage to deal with these four little guardians. When your eyes are distracted and your ears are distracted, there will be certain things deposited in there that only later on you'll be realized, wait, why does my heart hurt? You don't even see it. That's why we must always be on guard. In those moments, when your eyes and ears fail to protect your heart, which is what they've been created to do, among other things, like hearing and seeing, that's when I have learned to turn to human guardians of my heart. So over the past five years, I've been blessed with human guardians I trust and I love. My wife, Naomi, not only for having put with me in my moments of depression and heartache, but for loving me with the truth, correcting me with grace, and building me up in wisdom and God's word. I have a guardian that I live with and I see every day of my life. In the moments where my eyes and my ears cannot protect my heart, I know I have my wife. Also, our leadership team, who I highly respect, is a blessing to me. That I look up to them 
in many, 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 many ways. The commitment to the church is a blessing that words cannot describe. Their love for me has carried me through so many moments. You don't see it on stage. Hopefully you don't see anyone picking me up on stage anyway. That would be weird. Their wisdom helped me to take God, godly decision and their labor for the church and God's kingdom has freed me to focus on what I have been gifted by God to do as part of my role at church. So I thank God for the elders and deacons of Vision Church. Please pray for them. It's a bit weird for me as a pastor to say pray for the leadership because it sounds like I'm saying pray for me. So yes, please do that. But please do not put me on a pedestal that I don't belong on. I am not better, higher, more valuable than anyone in our leadership team and than anyone in the church for that matter. We have different roles that we complement each other to help Jesus in building this church towards the, his intended vision. So please pray for your leaders, okay? Pray for them. And just to name them, in case you forget, to, it's on the website. We have Donald, we have Matt, Phil, Chris, Sharon. Pray for them. Pray for their families. Because they're sometimes they're going through stuff. You have no idea what they're going through. And it is hard to be in a place that is a positional place because people look up to you, but in the moment when you're weak, then you'll fail people because somehow they think you're Jesus. I am not Jesus. They are not Jesus. So I want to implore you to my heart, pray for your leaders because they're going through stuff at times that we're even unaware of and pray for me as well. The way they protect my heart practically is by speaking openly and lovingly into my life. Pointing out my blind spots, because we all have them. Helping me be aware of my own insecurities. Thank you, Lord. Hearing me when I'm in a good place when, and when I'm in a tough place. Praying for me and praying with me. I also have guardians in form of friends that I pray with every week, that I minister with them, <laughs> almost everyone in our church. I have guardians in, in form of people like Pastor Paul, whose wealth of experience in pastoral ministry and life has been a sounding board over the past five years and before. But now I just focus on me being a pastor here. If I, if I come across as wise at times, that's because Pastor Paul receives texts from me and I ask him, this is what happened. I don't give names. What do I do? So then I copy paste it into my heart and then I say, oh, okay, this is what the Lord says. When I was younger, I used to wear a what would Jesus do bracelet. Now I'm wearing what would Pastor Paul do bracelet, you know. <laughs> I want you to know, like, as, as your pastor, like, I'm not venturing into this on my own because I recognize I don't have the wisdom I need, the gifting I need, the power I need, the strength I need to do it all. And even for a church that I know in numbers we're small, it takes a lot of people to build it in a healthy way. I've learned to guard my heart by inviting and giving permission and authority to godly people to speak into my life whenever they see it. That's how I guard myself in terms of holiness, purity, and all the sorts of insecurities that tend to come out of my heart if I don't guard it. On Tuesday, for example, I was interviewed 
not for a job, don't worry. Someone asked me, Vlad, you're not leaving the church. No, of course not. I love it here. Uh, so on Tuesday, I was being interviewed for a ministry training. I'm hoping to start this year to grow even more. Uh, and uh, one of the questions I was asked was about my support network. A very important question. I once again was reminded in my answers that I am truly blessed, not because I have a support network, which I do, but because I have guardians of my heart. As I know, I am a guardian of those people who give me permission to speak into their lives. One of the first things I do, especially, and I just point out to you, Matt, when you first came, I said, if you want me to help, you need to let me speak into your life when I see fit and how I see fit. Because if we pick and choose what we hear and listen, we're no longer guardians, but we're filtering what we want to hear or not. Sometimes the most loving thing someone can do for you is to speak the truth in love. And I stand before and tell that all the people mentioned and the relationships I'm involved, they are people who do speak like that into my life. At times I come across as arrogant, as, I'm, as if I'm not listening, especially some people, I don't want to give them the, the joy of them thinking that I listen. So on the moment I pretend I don't, but I always go back home and I'm like, okay, they may be right. <laughs> and then I work on it. In Luke 6, 45, there's this verse that says, the good person out of the treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Or out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Verses 24 to 26, our main passage says this, keep your mouth free from perversity, keep corrupt talk far from your lips, let your eyes look straight ahead, fix your gaze directly before you, give careful thought to the paths for your feet, and be steadfast in all of your ways. While our eyes and ears serve as guardians of our hearts, our mouth, our lips, our hands and feet, they serve as conduits from which the water of the heart flows in either fresh or stale form. It comes in through the eyes and ears. It goes out through hands, feet, lips, tongue, and feet. That's what happens in all of us. Whatever your mouth will release comes from the reserves of your heart. Whatever your mouth will release comes from the reserves of your heart. So more important than what comes out of my mouth is what I store in my heart. More important than what comes out of my mouth is what I store into my heart. Christianity was never supposed to be a religion for behavior modification. Christianity is about the gospel that produces heart transformation. When Jesus came to save us, he didn't give us a new behavior. He gave us a new heart. And out of the heart, the behavior is affected. So please, hear me out. In here, I am not teaching you to behave well. I'm teaching you to guard your heart. Because I know that everything else will sort itself out. The reserves of your heart will determine the integrity of your walk. 
the reserves of your heart will determine the integrity of your walk. Verse 27, do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil, that's integrity. I go where God is calling me to do, and by His help and the guidance of my heart, I'm not going to drift right or left. That's what I mean by integrity. And I don't like to call myself a man of integrity, but I can say that I aim for integrity in speech and in conduct intentionally, both on stage and off the stage, in public and in private. I want my speech and my conduct to be marked by integrity, and I'm hoping to grow into this. And if I've been faithful in this at times, it's not because I focus on the outward behavior, but I focus on the inner transformation of my heart, and oh, does my heart need transformation. It's an ongoing process of my heart becoming more like God's, to be like Christ, Christ-like. God is calling us to guard our hearts before guarding our behavior. Because if you focus on behavior, nothing more than those Pharisees that are like whitewashed tombs. You look nice, but you're dead on the inside. And what God wants for us and for me, and what I want for us as a church is to have a transformation that comes from the inside out. It doesn't matter if you look Christian on Sunday, if you are not one on Monday. That's dead religion. And we're not encouraging that at all. If we desire to be a healthy church, we must become healthy disciples of Christ. And health comes from the inside out. Spiritual health is a fruit of a guarded heart. Spiritual health is a fruit of a guarded heart. And over the past five years, that's been our desire here for Vision Church to be a healthy church. We don't aim for perfection. That's silly and it's futile, but we aim for health. We aim for spiritual health, we aim for emotional health. And healthy things grow. And I promise you, not because I promise you, but we will grow to where we want to grow. But I don't want, I want us to grow healthy, not to grow swollen. Because it's easy to put on a show. Even last year, we've had hundreds of people coming through our church. It's a fact. If we take those pictures only and put them online, we'll be a church of 300 people. Because I know the tricks that are employed in the pictures we take to post online. Even with the guys I speak, don't just take pictures of what looks good and big. But we need to be healthy. Charles Spurgeon, I think, was it who said, just because it's big, it doesn't mean it's healthy, it could be swollen. Just this week I had a swollen ankle. Trust me, it wasn't healthy, but it was big. And I want this for us as a church as well, but we must grow at a healthy and sustainable pace. And most importantly, we must grow healthy according to Jesus' vision for us, not according to Vlad's vision or Vision Church's vision for us. We need to look up to him and say, where do you want us to go? The first question I know Pastor Paul asked me to ask myself and our leadership team over five years ago, maybe a week over, was what kind of church does God want us to be? Do you remember? And that's what I came to at what was our leadership team back then, because that was in existence when we came, but I'm not even going to go into that. I said, what kind of church does God want us to be? 
The first thing that came was a church where God feels at home, and the church that is healthy in every single area. Which is why we also need to guard our heart as a church as well. Because above all else, guard your heart. Above all else, above guarding your doctrine, guarding your knowledge. Can I say above guarding your family, guarding your ministry, guarding your future, guarding your children, guard your heart. Because that's how you'll be a blessing to all these relations that I mentioned. And as a church, we need to guard our hearts. And because we need to guard our hearts, the heart of the church, the church also has a guardian. And no, it's not blood. <laughs> a guardian who promised to build the church. A guardian who promised to protect the church. A guardian who promised to sanctify the church. Ultimately, though my eyes and ears may fail in protecting my heart, though my wife, our leaders, my friends, even Pastor Paul may not always have the strength to guard my heart, I know someone who is the ultimate perfect guardian. He is the strongest, the most powerful, he is the wisest, he is the guardian and protector of my heart and of this church. His name is Jesus. He never tires, he never grows weary. He's always on it, and he's always building his church. Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will do what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, how many layers of protection we have over our hearts. If we only would give them authority to protect it. I'm not going to it, but the Bible speaks about, I think, David who made a covenant with his eyes. A covenant with his eyes. And we need to make the similar covenants with our eyes and ears. With our spouse, friends, say, please, I allow you to speak into my life. I allow you, allow you to ask me the hard questions. Because my heart needs guarding. And my heart is too precious and too weak to live unguarded. Because if I don't guard it, my heart will be abused by an enemy that continually seeks to destroy my life. One of the verses that helped me throughout this time, it's not in my notes, so it's not on the screen, is no weapon formed against me will prosper, says the Lord. I sang songs with that and I read that so many times. But in my prayer, I realized that weapons will be formed. An arsenal will be gathered by our enemy. It will be there, it will look impressive, it will sound loud, but it won't touch me. I have learned what it feels like, and I'm never quoting it in different contexts, just here, to not touch the Lord's anointed. I never say it to those who attack, because I don't want to abuse the verse. But whenever God calls you and me to something, and we guard our heart in walking within this calling, God will protect you even though there's an army that encamps against you. Even if there's weapons that don't even exist in the arsenal of this world, 
They can be pointed at you. They can even pull the trigger, but it won't touch you. That's the promise of God for us. He will guard our hearts in Christ Jesus. So that's why I don't need to defend myself. Because I have a guardian. I have quite a few. <laughs> the best one is Jesus. I don't need to fight anyone because I already have someone who fights for me. My only duty is to guard my heart. How do we do this? Verse 8. This is like a checklist, which I know this could be a sermon in itself. But I wanted to focus on the principle today. But this is very important. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. In other words, if things presented before the window of your heart to eyes and ears is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think, it's okay, okay, come in. I'm depositing you into my heart. If it's not, don't fight, don't flight, don't run away, but just guard your heart. Not everyone who turns out before the window of your heart has good intentions, but you can still guard your heart. For out of it flows all the things in life. So if I learned one thing and one advice I can give, guard your heart to your eyes and ears, to your spouse and closest friends. Can I say through us here? Like as a leadership team, we're always here for you. Not only because we're leaders, but I was actually bragging this week in my interview that over 90% of our church is serving in a way or another. Truly. So we can carry each other's burdens as well. So all of you are guardians to each other. <laughs> Step up, all right? <laughs> and then most importantly, the Holy Spirit in us through His Word. Jeremiah said, I have deposited, doesn't use this word, I have stored your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Store God's word, God's presence through the Holy Spirit, healthy relationships that speak into your life. Watch what you see, <laughs> watch what we hear, and your heart will be healthy, will grow strong, and our church will grow healthy as well. Let's worship with a song. We're going to worship God, and then after that, I'm going to invite you to take communion. But for now, let me just pray for uh, what we just shared. Lord, I come before you, and Lord, I want to say thank you for thank you for the heart you have given us. And I know that at times it feels like it's too weak, and at times we know it's precious, Lord. But both things can be true. What you're calling us to do is to guard it, and I thank you for the guardians that you have placed in our lives, even in our bodies, even around our lives, Lord. Thank you for the healthy relationships we can have and those we have. And for those who don't, just yet, I pray that you give them the courage to allow and to give people permission and authority to speak into their lives. Lord, help us to guard our hearts for everything we do flows from it. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship.